0: Welcome to the CrowdChurch podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to Crowd Church. My name is Matt, and beside me is, as well, the, the beautiful, the amazing, the very sunny, with her sunglasses, hair thingy on. My hair's not long enough, Anna, for that. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: that's
0: true. <laughs> Maybe I need to grow it out. How are you doing, you well? I'm
1: good. Yeah, it's a sunny afternoon in Liverpool, isn't it? I'm like, it's I'm unusual. Today. It yeah,
0: is, yeah, yeah, yeah we were talking about that when we were saying it was a little bit unusual uh for so much sunshine uh, to be in yeah. liverpool but uh, wherever you are uh we hope you too are enjoying sunshine as much as we are here in liverpool welcome welcome to crowd church we are an online church uh, a digital church which is a little bit unusual it just means we don't we basically don't meet in a building but we do the rest of the stuff online so community we do the whole talk thing, we do worship, everything is just done online. So welcome to Crowd Church, it's great that you are here. And today you have the pleasure of uh, Miss Anna Kettle and myself uh, chatting away, yes you do. So Anna, tell them what's coming up.
1: So uh, today we're looking at um, trusting God as uh, subjects and we have got some prayer for Ukraine coming up, we've got some worship coming up, going to do a bit of a chat after we've heard the talk and just sort of discuss the theme and yeah just generally having a bit of fun online for an hour together hopefully with some people watching us and commenting so do make sure you share your your comments and your questions as we're talking and as the session is going on and we'll try and respond
0: yeah absolutely we can see Matt's in the comments hey Matt Matt uh, will no doubt make fun of Liverpool's results yesterday and the fact that Manchester City are winning right now. Uh, I think Sadav's... he already is. I've,
1: I've already seen one
0: in there, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you know it's coming, right? Uh, setups in the comment. Hey, sadav. Uh, so, yeah, do say hi in the comments, whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, always great to hear from you. And if you have any questions as we go through about today's topic that come up during the talk, whack them in the comments because, like Anna said, we call it Conversation Street. Although I liked how you phrased it, Anna, we're gonna chat in a bit. And that's a little bit more um maybe we'll change it to from Conversation Street to chatting a bit. <laughs> yeah,
1: well that's what we're doing though, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, like is. Conversation Street, but it same is. difference.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Basically we're gonna talk we it's, it's a funny part of the service. It's where we talk about the talk and we answer questions and stuff about the talk and what it actually means, which is great. It's actually my favourite part of the live stream. Not gonna lie. I enjoy I the, do actually. I
1: enjoy yeah. doing
0: that. Yeah. It's good in it. Conversation yeah. street. So uh which is great. So The whole live stream, by the way, is going to last for about an hour. If this is your first time with us, I'm going to push this fancy button here. and I'm going to bring up that screen. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us via the website at crowd.church. You can join us on Instagram or Facebook at CrowdChurch. The only social media platform that we don't use at CrowdChurch is Twitter because we can't get hold of it. Um, but we don't really use Twitter so uh, Instagram and Facebook is where it's at for us if you want to reach out to us on social media also on the website you'll find there's a WhatsApp number if you prefer WhatsApp Uh, so you can get hold of us in a million ways and we'd love to hear from you uh, especially if this is your first time to crowd do get in touch let us know especially if, if there's anything that we can pray for you guys we do pray once a week we have a little prayer meeting and people do send in prayer requests so it's always good to do that right Without further ado, Anna, should we get in the talk? Should we go straight for it?
1: Yeah, let's dive in.
0: Let's dive in. So here is Esther Richards, and I have to force myself to say Esther Richards because I I know her as Esther Norris, but she recently got married, which is which uh, is brilliant.
1: Confusing.
0: Yeah, and it, it it just I I I have to. It's Esther Richards. So. Also,
1: congratulations, Esther, if you're watching.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're stoked for you, genuinely stoked. So uh, welcome uh, to everyone who has just joined us. We are going to be talking about what does the Bible say about trusting God. And here is uh, the beautiful Esther Richards uh, sharing with us. And in 20 minutes after that, Anna will be back to introduce the next section. So here we go.
2: the Bible say about trusting in God? My name is Esther and I'm going to be talking a bit about what the Bible says about trusting in God. To do this we're going to look at uh, three questions um, and we're going to look at different stories and passages in the Bible to help us answer these three questions. So those questions are, is God trustworthy? What does trusting in God mean? And what happens when we trust in God? So the first question we're going to look at is, is God trustworthy? To uh, look at this, we're going to be looking at a story in the Bible in the book of Judges uh, about Gideon and the Midianites. So the story happens over chapter six and seven. Uh, I'm not going to read through all of it right now, but basically in chapter six, um, we see God telling Gideon that Gideon is going to be the one to rescue the Israelites from the Midianite army the Midianite army is camped around where the Israelites are staying. They are uh, invading that land, they are ruining crops, and basically just causing a lot of issues for the Israelites, and the Israelites need to be rescued. And God is calling Gideon to be the one to lead the efforts to defeat the Midianites. Gideon asks God lots of questions, um, and God gives Gideon various signs to show this is what he's asking him to do. So Gideon hears God and agrees that he is going to be the one to lead the fight against the Midianites. So now I'm going to read a bit from Judges chapter 7 verses 1 to 8. Early in the morning Jerobbaal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap, wa- who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with three hundred, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. So God has asked Gideon to do a few seemingly quite bizarre things. Firstly, he's asked Gideon to reduce his army down from 32,000 men to just 300 to fight this huge army that's causing them all of these problems. Not only this, but God asks Gideon to do this in, again, a seemingly strange way through multiple different instructions and instructions that we don't necessarily understand when we read them. So Gideon heard these and also may have been confused as to what God was asking him to do. But nevertheless, he trusted that God knew what he was doing and he did it anyway. And he ended up with just 300 men in his army. So I'm going to carry on reading from chapter 12, um, sorry, chapter 7, uh, from verse 9 to verse 12. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, Go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura his servant went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. This description gives us quite an impressive idea of just how many people there are in this opposing army of the Midianites. It says that there are so many camels in the army that you could no more count them the same way that you can't count the amount of sand that's on a seashore. That's how many camels, that's a lot of camels. And Gideon now only has 300 men and yet God has said to him that if he went and looked at the army he would be encouraged to fight. I don't know about you, but if I saw an army that big and only had 300 in my own, I wouldn't feel that encouraged to fight. So how does God keep his word and still encourage Gideon despite what he's seen? Well, that happens in verses 13 to 15, and it says this, Gideon arrived, this is back from looking at the camp, just as a man was telling a friend his dream, I had a dream, he was saying, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. So God is true to his words and as soon as Gideon came back from looking at how many people there were in the army, in the Midianite army, he overheard this conversation between these two men and he was immediately encouraged and he immediately praised God, prayed and worshipped and called out loud for everyone to get up, saying, proclaiming that god had already given the midianite army into their hands despite the fact that they haven't even fought yet so that is how encouraged gideon feels after going and seeing the camp and god showing him this conversation and this dream so let's read from verse 16 to 23 to find out what happens next we've got an army of 300 men ready to fight an army that's so big it can't be counted Yet God has said that the army of 300 will win. So can God be trusted? Dividing the 300 men into three companies, this is Gideon, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled. So Gideon's army won. Uh, The Midianites ended up fighting each other and fleeing to all sorts of different places. The Israelites then pursue them, it says a bit later on and Gideon's army won, just as God had promised. This is a great example in the Bible of how God is trustworthy to such an extent that we don't even need to understand the the things that that God is doing and the ways that he is working, yet we can trust him despite that. God comes through for us every single time. We can definitely trust him. He is definitely trustworthy. And there are countless other stories in the Bible of God being trustworthy uh, and giving seemingly odd instructions as well. Um, Just like uh, how God tells Noah to build the ark. Noah trusts him and the flood does happen and God is trustworthy. And when God instructed Moses to go to Egypt and to save the Israelites, Moses didn't want to do it. It seemed like such a huge, massive task, yet God was trustworthy and he saved them. All of these stories, all throughout the Bible, there are countless. God is a God who keeps his word. He comes through, he has your back and he is completely trustworthy. So our second question was, what does trusting in God mean? So to see what the Bible says about this, we're going to go to the book of Philippians in the New Testament. Uh, Chapter four, verse six, which says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I really like this as a way of explaining what it means to trust God, that when anything is happening, when something feels like it's going wrong, that rather being fearful and anxious about things, we can go to God and we can pray, we can ask him to help us, But we do that in a way where we bring thanksgiving to Him. And a great example of this is in the book of Job in the Old Testament, where Job is afflicted and has really, really horrible things happen to him. And one of the first things he does is worship and speak truth about who God is. So we can do that. We can present our requests to God. We can go to Him with the things that we have because He is trustworthy. We can tell Him and ask Him for what we need. And it means that we don't need to be anxious. It's easier said than done, but it is truth that we do not need to be anxious because we can bring what we have to God and we can trust him. There's also a verse in Proverbs that explains what it means to trust God. It's Proverbs chapter three, verses five to seven. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So again, this is saying that we should trust God, that we should trust that God knows what he's doing better than we know what we're doing. When it says to lean on your own, to not lean on your own understanding, it's it's talking about having a, a conscious and intentional dependence on God. It's not about just trying to get through in life and praying when things go wrong, but it's deciding that God knows what he's doing more than we do, that we are going to lean on him in everything, just as we may lean on something physical to support us, like a tree or a wall or something like that. Um, we have to acknowledge God, observe him, and we get to know him as we live. And as we trust, on, trust in him, it's a daily thing that we get to do. So I recently got married and I went on a honeymoon with my husband to Croatia and we hired these electric bikes to cycle around one of the little islands that we were on that day and there was this really really steep hill and the path was really rocky, it was like chalky and uneven and really bumpy and there were these teeny tiny little rocks and every time I, I would break my with my bike, it the wheel would kind of skid to the side, and I would feel like I was about to fall off. And it was um not I'm not very graceful on a bike, and uh, I was not being very brave at all. And I found the whole thing quite stressful. Um, just on that path, the rest of it was great. Um, but I had a moment where I was cycling down this hill, and I was so tense and I was so afraid. And I just took a breath and I just said, just relax. I kind of relaxed my shoulders and relaxed my arms and tried to not hold on quite so tightly to the handlebars. And I found that once my body had relaxed, it was a lot easier. When I decided that the bike was built to go on this sort of terrain, that I needed to trust the design of the bike, trust that the wheels would stay upright, long as i kept pedaling it became so much easier and a lot more enjoyable and then soon after that we hit tarmac and everything was a lot easier but as that even as that happened i was thinking about this talk and i actually thought it was a really helpful analogy of what it means to trust god that things can be scary and stressful. We can be afraid that we're gonna fall, that we're gonna hurt ourselves. Something bad is gonna to happen to us. But we don't always have the opportunity or the, the option to stop and get off the bike, so to speak. But just as I trusted that the bike wheels were designed well, that they would take me where I needed to go, that they would keep me upright. We can trust that God knows what he's doing. God is capable. When we relax, when we lean into God and what he has for us, the journey doesn't necessarily get any less bumpy, but we can be less fearful and we can be less anxious. We can trust in him and it becomes more enjoyable. And sometimes in our lives, we do hit the tarmac uh, when we're cycling, and it's much easier to, to go through. But sometimes life isn't always like that. The road is bumpy, but when we lean into God, when we trust in Him, we know that we are always going to be safe. We are always going to be protected and looked after. And you'll be pleased to know I did not fall off my bike. So that's good. <laughs> and that kind of analogy leads me on to our final question which is what happens when we trust in God. So there are many many parts of the Bible that tell us what happens when we trust in God and one of them is the next verse in the Philippians passage that we read earlier in chapter 4 um which is verse 7 which says the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And later on in in the same chapter in verse 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, these two verses don't mean that we will get everything that we want whenever we ask for it. But what it means is that God provides us what we need when we need it. Again, it's about trusting that God knows better than we do when it comes to timing and leaning on him rather than ourselves. But what happens when we trust God is that He provides and that we find peace. In Isaiah twenty-six verses three and four, it says, "You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in You. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord Himself is the Rock eternal." Again, this verse is telling us that when we are trust, when we trust in God, we will find peace. We will be kept in perfect peace, is what it says. And this is the kind of trend or the theme of what the Bible says about trusting in God, that when we trust in him, we will find peace. Again, in Isaiah, in chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. Again, it says that when we trust, we don't have to be afraid because God is our salvation. And God is our defence and he will keep us safe and we will have peace.
3: Trusting in God is about trusting that he is the one that saves us.
2: It's about knowing that there's nothing we can do to tick enough boxes or to to do things right or do things the, the good way to do them that will earn our salvation. God is the one that saves us. God is the one that keeps us safe. God is the one that brings us peace that will actually last. He is the one that we can trust in everything forever because he never changes. This That's what it means to trust God. He is our salvation. He is our defence. He keeps us safe and he will provide us peace.
1: Wow, thanks so much for sharing that Esther, so much good content about trusting God and what that means in there and we're going to start unpacking that in a minute as we move to Conversation Street but first of all we're just going to take a few minutes to uh, pray again for the Ukraine because it's just still really important that we keep doing that Um, and also to spend a bit of time listening to a song as our worship tonight and tonight the song that we're going to listen to is called What a Beautiful Name. And it's a beautiful song. So just ask you to take some time and just reflect on the words and, um, yeah, just take a few moments, to still yourself and think about maybe some of what we've just heard.
0: Father God, King of all nations, we cry out to you now for the people of Ukraine. We ask you to rescue those who are vulnerable from the hands of their enemies, that they may live life without fear before you all of their days. Lord have mercy. Lord of Lords and Prince of Peace, our politicians are predicting the biggest war in Europe since 1945 and we simply cry out to you urgently to write another story in our time. Thwart the dark machinations of evil men. Give wisdom beyond human wisdom to peacemakers seeking an equitable and less violent way. May politicians exercise the wisdom from above, which is peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, and full of mercy. Lord, have mercy. Holy Spirit, we pray for the church in Ukraine, a nation in which 70% of the population call themselves Christian. Give our many brothers and sisters in that nation courage in this crisis, that they may proclaim the good news of your kingdom, bind up broken hearts, and bring comfort to all who mourn. Lord, have mercy. You, Lord, make war cease to the end of the earth. You break bows, shatter spears, and burn shields with fire. And so we ask you now to save the lives of many people in Ukraine. Make a peace that is strong and not weak. De-escalate this crisis. We hear of wars and rumors of wars, but you, Lord, are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Our hope is in you. And so we address the nations now. In the name of Jesus we say, be still and know God. He is exalted among the nations. He shall be exalted in the earth. Lord, have mercy. so welcome back to conversation street with myself and anna we are gonna get into uh your comments there's been a few on the comments already so uh if you've got any thoughts ideas uh based on esther's talk this whole idea of trusting god any questions any contributions whack them in the comments for the chat bit uh, or conversation street what was it you called it anna the chat bit the chat i can't remember now Bit of a chat at the end. A bit of a chat. That's it. A bit of a chat. So <laughs> I should write it down, shouldn't I? nice like to
1: keep it real,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just keep it real, man. Keep it real. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get into all of that. So do get busy uh, writing stuff in there. Um, but Esther, thank you so much for taking the time to do that talk. I think that's Esther's first talk with us. So uh, mm. I have uh, in the diary a date recorded to do a bit more stuff with esther so more stuff's going to be coming soon so do watch out for that um but yeah great talk fascinating topic this whole idea of trusting god and mm-hmm. right you've been a christian a while i've been a christian a while and mm-hmm. it's a really interesting idea if if someone like is watching the live stream and they're maybe unchurched or never gone to church never really got their head around this whole idea of trusting God. How do you explain it when talking to people um, and they just go, what do you mean you're trusting God? How does that even work?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a big one, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I I feel, I feel don't know about you, Matt, but I feel like it's not something that even as someone who's grown up around Christianity my whole life, I don't feel like I've got it sussed fully. I feel like it's something I'm having to remember and learn and keep learning about all the time. Mm. I think you think you're be doing quite well at it when life goes really well <laughs> and things are turning out the way you hope and your prayers get answered and mm. and then life throws some curveballs at you and it's harder to trust God, isn't it? Or yeah, something goes unexpected or you know, pressure's on, then, then suddenly that's when it's hard to trust God. And mm. I don't know, do we ever stop learning that as Christians? I feel like it's a lifelong lesson for me. I'm a, I'm a bit of a control freak as well by nature. So <laughs> no. I like to, no. I mean, I think most of us are to an extent, aren't we? Like we like to feel like we're in control of our own lives. And um, yeah, then life happens and then you realise you're not in control of everything. And so, yeah, I feel like it's a, it's an ongoing lesson um to to kind of trust God and mm. um and what do we mean by that? I guess just knowing that he's bigger than what what's going on, that he's got everything covered, mm. even if life doesn't look exactly as you're expecting or doesn't always go the way you want, that he's over it all and he's somehow gonna make it all yeah. right in the end. That yeah. that for me is trusting God.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think it this whole idea of trusting God if you're, I suppose if you're, for a lot of people who maybe are outside of the church, it just seems like a really strange concept. Do you know what I mean? A really strange idea. Um, And I think you're right. I think from a a Christian point of view, from my point of view, it's always easier to trust God when life is going well. Uh, It's when it becomes complicated and messy um, that it just seems a little bit more complex. And for me, I was thinking about this as esther was talking uh, there are I, f- I feel like there's different types of trust right mm-hmm. and what i mean by this is there's a general trust that um i have in god that you know we the bible calls it the eternal hope doesn't it that there is heaven that i might not understand everything here but ultimately i know where i'm heading and life is good and i can trust that god is good even when I don't necessarily understand what's going on around me, right? Mm -hmm. And I I just have this pervading trust in my life. But then there are specific um, things that you can trust God for. And the story that Esther used, the story of Gideon, uh, was that Gideon could trust God to to help him win that particular battle, Mm -hmm. right? Because he heard God in that specific instance. And I feel like Uh, in life there's a general trust of God we can have but there are also specific instances where we feel like God has said something that we can trust and believe would you does that make sense is that
1: yeah absolutely like trust overall trust for your life and then trust for specific situations that are happening yeah absolutely I think so um and I think it's easier to trust when you know God's really said something quite specifically to you um but um yeah it's um there's some really good questions here actually um people have posted a few yeah, so matt said flying matt crew for example has said how long should i trust god's promises over my life why do i keep having disappointments when i've trusted in god over stuff and it comes to naught? um but yeah it's it's a great question isn't it like how long should you trust god's promises and what it is a really great question disappointing
0: mm. It is, and disappointment for me um, is, a, is an interesting idea because, again, disappointment comes from uh, when the outcome is different to what we either hoped for or expected, right? Mm-hmm. So when something doesn't go how we hoped for or planned for or thought it should, we are disappointed. And so that, uh, I think, as Christians, that disappointment can often get pointed to or directed to God because we feel like God should have done something different to what the current outcome was mm-hmm. um and i think that's a very real and legitimate uh, emotion that we mm-hmm. i th- i don't know anybody that's not had that do you know what i mean yeah. and it is it, yeah. it is a fascinating one isn't it and i think i think it's a deep question and i i don't know Anna, and maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong whether there's one overriding simple way to answer this question
1: no, I think it's so personal to different situations and experiences, isn't it? And I, I totally get what Matt's saying. Like, there's times when I feel like I've been let, I felt let down by God. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I expected a certain outcome for my life, for my family, for job scenarios. But, you know, I've shared previously on Crowd Church about us not being able to have the family we, we mm-hmm. wanted. That is a huge area where I felt like disappointed by God, disappointed by the outcome that, mm-hmm. that life gave us um and you know we really trusted god in that we really hoped but i think you know we really hoped for a different outcome and trusted god for a long time and prayed a lot about it and and that different outcome that we would have liked um mm. didn't happen has hasn't materialized won't materialize mm. and So yeah, and then there's a time of like making peace with that. So for me, it's kind of been like a learning curve, like just because I really hope or long for something doesn't mean I'll always get the outcome. Mm. So I've really had to separate out and outcomes sort of focus faith faith where, you know, I sort of trust God for a certain outcome that I want versus stepping back and saying, even though I didn't get that outcome I want, I still trust God will make it right Mm. in the end. So for me, that there's a difference there between the outcome I want now and actually an eternal outcome, and I mm. and think that touches back on what you were saying at the start, Matt. But I know God will make all things right in the end, mm. in the eternity of time. But that doesn't mean everything's going to work out on mm. this earth because it's broken and imperfect, um, and life doesn't always go the way it should. Or um, yeah, yeah. So it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to get your mind around it, and I think it's.
0: It is, it is, because I guess one of the questions that comes out of that is, how do you learn in the midst of disappointment, right? And and again, we talk about disappointment in outcomes. So you've you know, very kindly shared about, um, you know, the the, the, the miscarriages in, in the past and, and not having a family on crowd church. And you can go back and watch those if you'd like to hear Anna's story. Um, and I think sometimes uh, the outcomes don't happen because we've not heard God or... Um, I'm thinking again about the, the the description with Gideon, you know, God whittles his army down from 30,000 to 300. Yeah. I'd have been the guy that had gone, no, 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 no. I'm going in with the 30,000. Do you know what, yeah. what I mean? And it's like, I'm sure I'm it as well. <laughs> we're going. Uh, and so I would have, I'd been like, God, I can believe for the war, but I just need the 30,000. And God's like, no, no, no. Yeah. And so I think sometimes God... Um, we hear God in terms of the outcome, but we miss God in terms of the direction and the strategy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, and the thinking and we, and I think there's a, you, you actually you can get so deep into this, you know, and in terms of why things haven't happened, um, and I think sometimes the most common answer is we just don't know, um, and I, I sit here, realizing that I don't have to protect God's reputation. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but I I do know that God is good. But I I also know that life often throws these curveballs. So how did you and Andy? If you, Andy, I'm sure he won't mind you answering for him, given he's stuck on a platform somewhere watching you right now. Apparently, uh, he's
1: in Runcomund from Runcomund yeah, 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 Station, glamorous place
0: that it is. <laughs> Hi, Andy. Um, how do you? How did you regain trust in God following that disappointment?
1: Um. I suppose it was zooming out of our personal situation. Like God, God never said to us, "I guarantee you'll get exactly the family you want." Like, he, mm. like being honest, that was what we wanted for, wanted, and what we hoped for, and what we prayed for for a long time, and what we tried to trust God for. But He never actually promised that to us. Mm. Um, so, in that sense, there was that. But then also, like, I think the way we have handled it is to sort of zoom out of our own situation and say even though the outcome and what we wanted didn't work in the sort of grand scheme of things, that doesn't make God untrustworthy. It's, mm. you know, you can still trust that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. Um yeah, I think it was like about depersonalizing it and looking at the bigger picture and like realizing that our lives are right in the middle. Like we live life in the middle, don't we? There's mm. like is like, you know, if you look at the sort of Christian faith unfolding, you've got like a garden of Eden and then fall and, you know, you can go through the whole story and kind of we live in this middle imperfect world right now and then one day there's this promise at the end of time that God, or the end of human time, that God will make all things right and restore and redeem and heal everything that's broken right now about our world. And we live in this weird middle, don't we, as Christians, Mm. where we live in the promise of God but also not all its promises are complete yet and mm. so i i kind of find it easier to trust god when i look at the big picture and think yeah. but it's not all done yet we're still mm. in the middle and so that means that not everything quite adds up so i and i loved some of what um esther was saying there about it, it, some of those verses she spoke about because she talked about not leaning on your own understanding and i think yeah. that's the key isn't it that actually there's some things in this world that you just can't understand and you will never fully understand and I, you know, we can't explain away. And like you say, you you, you can't sit here and defend God's reputation for the things that have disappointed us in life, because I don't know, we don't speak for God, do we? And we don't understand everything. and We don't see the whole picture. And so I think that for me, there's just been some element of like thinking that's disappointing and it's hard. And yet, I'm not God and I don't Mm -hmm. see the big whole picture. And there's some things now that I don't see that I'll one day see. So, yeah, and I suppose that's where trust really exists—like really trusting God, is trusting that we don't know everything, and that He that's does. That's such a
0: powerful point. Yeah, that's such a power, and it's right there, isn't it? It's right, it's right in that point, and it's like um, the 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 things that I find the most inspiring in life. When I think about you know what I personally find inspiring, yeah. You know, it'd be great if Liverpool won the quadruple. That would be inspiring. That's awesome. It would be, you know, uh, I have a, a wish list of things that, you know, if they happen, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but fundamentally, what I find deeply, deeply inspiring are when people who have faced incredibly difficult parts or times in life, you know, incredible situations and circumstances. But in the midst of it, they've gone. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But God, I'm still going to trust you in the middle of it. And and you know, like you and Andy, and and become the sweetest people and the most inspiring people because faith there is becomes very very real. And and you've gone. I'm not God. I don't get it all. Yes, I'm disappointed. And I think it's important to recognise there's disappointment. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it, and it's okay to do that.
3: Yeah.
0: But get to a place where you go. I'm still going to trust you, God. Do you know what I mean? I don't get it. Andy's put here in the comments. <clears throat> Andy, for those of you who are, who are who may not be in the know, um, is Anna's husband who is uh, fast uh, supposed to be coming home on a train. He's got slightly delayed. Um, he said uh, here in the comments, it's easy for Christians to expect things. Uh, to all work out it's possibly a dangerous mindset as it could possibly end in unexpected disappointment for example someone praying before exams expecting to pass because they've prayed about it Um, and i think that's a really interesting point that he said there that actually it's a Mm -hmm. dangerous mindset to expect everything like this just to go the way i want it to go just because i've prayed about it yeah yeah absolutely i
1: think that's true it's you know it Prayer is powerful, isn't it? But it's not a magic wand to just, you know, wave over everything to make the world the way you want to. Like it goes back to that thing of control. Like prayer is not a way of controlling our world or molding it into the shape we want it to be. It's mm. about, yeah, the whole thing of trust, isn't it? It's like it's actually about trust is really about giving up our right to understand it all and to mm. control it all. And actually believe that God, the creator of the universe, knows what he's doing even yeah. if we
0: didn't see that yeah that's powerful again we're not good so Sharon's put here in the comments yes I agree Jesus promised us trouble and persecution he did actually yeah uh so things are not always going to go how we want to but I prefer to focus on the happy promises <laughs> I get that um Sadaf here okay so let's get slightly theological Sadaf likes her little <laughs> theological questions um Gideon was hesitant to obey God and showed a clear lack of faith by testing God what can we learn from him and how do we apply this to our lives you can answer that one Anna
1: oh thanks and thanks Sarah that's just a great question (laughs) right there um Gideon was hesitant I mean that is that is a good point isn't it it's Mm. like sometimes I think you read the bible and it's You know you think oh these people who've got so much faith and it's i find it reassuring that they're as hesitant and find it as difficult to trust god as we do in lots of things today like Mm. that's reassuring for starters um what can we learn from him and how do we play this to our lives i i think that um yeah i mean i suppose it shows that it's okay it's okay to doubt god it's okay to question it's okay to um not understand and to yeah it's queer to yeah to be slow to like trust god and that actually he was a work in progress wasn't he just like mm-hmm. we were saying at the start of this chat that yeah it's hard trusting god and it's okay to be a work in progress and to not always get it right and i think god's really gracious because he uses gideon anyway mm-hmm. um you know more and more i think god's great at um using people who are imperfect and don't get it right and don't always respond to him in the way that they should straight away, and I find that encouraging.
0: Yeah, I agree, I agree. It's an interesting idea, and maybe we should do a what does the Bible say about testing God thing, because uh, when you move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's this really clear command, and Jesus talks about this when um, there's this really odd scenario that happens where the devil Uh, Satan sort of manifests himself physically and has a conversation with Jesus. Um, And he says, if you're the son of, if you really are who you say you are, do this, and lays down this sort of series of challenges. And Jesus' response to to the devil is quite fascinating, because he said, yeah, it's written, don't test God, right? And I think it's a fascinating sort of Outcome to the to it's like, no, I'm not gonna, I don't need to prove who I am to you because I'm not here to test God, I'm here to do what God's told me to do. And I think, um, the amount of times, and I prayed this prayer before I became a Christian and uh the amount of times I, I i remember at university a friend of mine came to me and he said this god of yours i stood there at the side of the road and i prayed that if a yellow duck flew past and did this and did do you know what I mean? some outlandish thing that yeah. was supposed to happen then god i would know you're real and he said of course it didn't happen so therefore god's not real and i'm like not quite sure (laughs) this idea of testing god like that is is how you want to go but to figure out whether god's real or not Mm. and sometimes that mindset i think creeps into us as christians this whole idea of i just need to test god i just need to test god god just needs to prove to me or show to me that something's going on And i think you know we do encounter god in our lives but this whole idea of testing god is really quite a fascinating one um and I don't know I think we just have to be a bit careful with it sometimes and yeah I don't know if I've got anything more to say on it other than that and anything from you to throw in
1: yeah I mean I know people who've kind of done that with God and actually had a result that's made them go oh wow God's real you know or mm. well, God's God's in this um and I know lots of times I think I've probably done it in my own life and sometimes it's worked and sometimes it's not but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you have to be a bit careful because also I think what are you testing him on? Like if you're testing him on something he's already said in his word, you don't mm. need to test him, you know? Like I think that's what Jesus is doing. Like he's mm. saying, he's saying, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend God to the devil mm. because it's already, it's you know, it's already mm. clear. I don't, I don't need to. Mm.
0: Um
1: I think there's situations where it's like, well, I don't need to ask what God thinks about this or test it because actually he's already made it clear in his word or, uh, you know, it's like, it says you don't need to, like, you know, that example with the duck and your friend saying Mm. if God's real, then he'll show me in this weird and wonderful way. But it's like the Bible says that he's already shown me that he's real and that he exists through creation itself Mm. and in a number of different ways. And so it's like, actually, yeah, I I I think it's like, Sometimes God can show up Connie, in strange ways and you can't really put God in a box but I don't think it's good to start putting a test on God just yeah I don't know it's hard isn't it I think you're right it depends um, you just have to be a bit careful with it and also you need to sort of think do I need to test God on this or is actually mm. you're already really clear
0: yeah yeah, it's it's a fascinating, and like I say, maybe we should get into it an awful lot more because there's an awful lot yeah, more to say to in some respects about, about again, yeah. Yeah, yeah, about this whole topic of testing God, and I think Salaf's question is an interesting one because the opposite of trusting God uh, is disobedience, right? it's to go well, um, I I I'm, I I hear what you say, uh, but frankly, I don't I don't want to believe it, uh, and I'm I'm not going to act or do what you have consequently told me to do. So Gideon. Uh, could have chosen not to go to battle with the 300 men. He could have done a whole bunch of different things, uh, which would have led to all kinds of situations and problems, I have no doubt. Um, and so the opposite of trusting God, this this not trusting God, um, is an interesting idea as well, right? So um, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but have you got any examples of where you feel like you didn't trust God? in certain situations?
1: I feel like I've had situations where I've kind of partially trusted God, like thought, oh, well, I'm willing to take a small step out mm-hmm. and maybe test the water and then see if God meets me there and then I'll take the next step, you know? like, And I think that's maybe where testing God is quite useful. Like I, I remember um, after I was a student, I um, did a year a gap year with our church frontline. And um at the time I didn't have any money and I didn't know whether it was a good thing to do or not straight after studying. I'd already got some student debt. And I was like, but it kind of part of me felt like this was the right thing to do. But mm. I was like, haven't got the money, I'm not sure. It doesn't make financial sense in human terms to do this right now and to put getting a career on pause. Um, so I was like, if God you give me the deposit I need to put like, to fill out the form and start this process, then I'll trust you that you'll give me the rest of the money to do this. Mm. And so, yeah, I've done things where I've like, not fully trusted God for the whole thing, but I've taken Mm. a, almost dipped my toe in the water and said, God, if you meet me here, I'll take the next step forward from there. And I kind of feel like that's a little bit what Gideon was doing as well. It's Mm. like, well, yeah. Um, He wasn't saying I'm not gonna fight, but he was like, I'm not going to do it like that God, but how about
3: this?
1: And yeah, so I've got examples where God's met me in that way, kind of way. Fascinating. Fascinating.
0: Okay, well, I'm aware of time. So let me ask you one final question, Anna, and uh, we'll draw Conversation Street to a close. What would you say to someone who doesn't believe that they can trust in God or who is struggling to do so right now?
1: I would say firstly it's normal like it's it's normal to struggle sometimes with trusting God I I don't think you have to feel ashamed or to you know it's good to be honest about that isn't it mm. um I suppose I would just say talk to people about it and um yeah talk to a few trusted people and um maybe just see what taking the next step towards trusting God in your situation and circumstances look like. Um, you know, sometimes it is just about keeping going, even when you can't see where you're headed. What do you think, Matt?
0: Yeah, I think you're entirely right. I think um, one step at a time. You know, a, a trust is, is something that um, you I think you naturally give to people over time. Uh, you feel mm. like people need to earn your trust. And I think having been a Christian for 30 odd years now, um, it's a lot longer actually, but um, my, my experience is the, the longer I've walked with God, the more I've learned to trust him. Uh, mm. And I think you can do that. And I think there are tricky times. And I think there are times when you don't understand everything but to realize that you're not God, that you can take your foot off the accelerator a little bit and go, God, I just trust you, I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Sharon said here that faith comes from hearing God's word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Uh, yeah, so listening point. to the Bible is a good place to start with when it comes trusting God. And I think that's very true. And I think if you're if you are um, struggling in a certain area, I would strongly suggest you study the Bible in that area. Um, to see what it has to say, which helps you develop your faith and that helps you develop your trust. So um, Tracy uh, wrote in the comments I noticed earlier, which I just thought was lovely. I'm just going to search for it now rapidly, how she felt disappointed um, Mm. because she didn't have a great childhood. uh, But then she met God. So until nine years ago, I felt let down by God after a horrific childhood, then I went to river camp and my life was turned around. And I think, um, I think this is such an important point that actually uh, you can grow in areas, you can develop trust, but there can be times where you just encounter the presence of love and love of God in a way that you would never have expected. Um, and he can radically transform any situation. But I think I would say to you, my experience is ultimately God is trustworthy um, and he is a safe bet to put your trust in even when you don't understand so small
1: steps and i also think Matt. adding on to that it's like even when in times when i find it difficult to trust god i sort of think where else would i go like what else have i got that's a better bet than god Mm. to put my trust in like what is what is more trustworthy like putting trust in what Mm. in who like Mm -hmm. in money and people like these things fail all the time don't they
3: yeah
1: in such you know in individuals like i I just haven't, in all my years, come across anything that's a safer bet than God, even if it's times it feels scary.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a solid point right there. And on that bombshell, I think we'll end Conversation Street. Uh, that was awesome. I feel like we yes. could just get warmed up, if I'm honest with you. I know
1: we uh, could just keep going and going, could not we, Mark? I <laughs> think everyone could. else would give up and get bored, but we could just keep going.
0: Yeah, we could totally Uh us put here on the comments as believers. We don't need fleeces or signs. Uh, You're yeah, not making this easy for me. Salaf. Uh he's already <laughs> revealed his plans to us. We should be seeking to love, know and obey him in my un- humble opinion. That is. Uh, and that is true. Uh, and if you have no idea what a fleece or a sign is, don't panic. Uh, <laughs> all for another day. All for another topic. Matt's
1: already committed to doing that, that talk another time.
0: Right? <laughs> what does the Bible say? Well, maybe we say should about?
1: get Sadaf on to come and do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Testing God, signs and wonders, and all this sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll look into that a little bit more. But uh, that's going to be an interesting one. You know how do we, how do we know uh, how God guides us and leads us? All fascinating stuff. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about next week. Anna, what are we talking about next week?
1: So next week we're talking all about what the Bible has to say about men, which is an interesting subject. That's correct. And it is the wonderful Matt Edmondson himself who is going to be doing the talk. Um next week Crowd's gonna be uh hosted by Phil Watson, who you might have met before. Yep. Um on Crowd. I think he's done hosted a few times now, hasn't he? He has, and the legend. Also yep. also the wonderful Alistair Marshall, who I don't mm-hmm. think I think this is his first time on Crowd Church, isn't it? It's his be. first
0: time hosting. He's done a few bits and bobs, but it's his first time hosting. Um, and yeah, so you can so have he's... Al and Phil talking about what it. What, what does the Bible say about being a man? You're not so going to really miss it. They're two
1: really good blokes. So that, yeah. that's a good starting point, isn't
0: it? It is a great starting point. You're not going to want to miss it. What does the Bible say about being a bloke? Uh, which might sound slightly controversial, but you know what? We did What Does the Bible Say About Women? So we thought, mm-hmm. what does the Bible say about men? Let's just let's tackle the topic head on. Uh, so we're going to get into that next week. You're not going to want to miss it. So let me bring this back up on the screen. If you head over to our website, crowd.church, uh, you can sign up to email notifications, and we email you just once a week and let you know what's coming up. Uh, And if you sign up on social media uh, at CrowdChurch, whether Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, go to um, just CrowdChurch and sign up and hit the notification bell, especially on YouTube, and you will know when we are going live uh, because it just comes upon your system and it tells you and you can watch it and you can, again, join in the conversation on the comments. Thank you so much, everybody that has joined in tonight, join us on the live stream. Thank you for your comments and your contributions as always. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that uh, Anna. thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I, th- I thought it was good fun. I enjoyed it. I thought yes, it was a difficult okay, conversation in some respects, me. but good. And
1: thanks everyone for turning up because it's a boring conversation if it's just the two of us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that says about me, but let's 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 go with yes. there it is. <laughs> brilliant So what we're gonna do now is we are gonna play one more worship track um and this time it is uh king of my heart i'm just checking my notes uh we're going to play king of my heart uh, please feel free to hang around in the comments uh listen to the music sing along if it is safe to do so once this worship track has ended the live stream will end automatically uh, and so that's basically it from myself and anna thank you so much for being with us um, and have a fantastic week see you soon all right bye everyone bless you bye
3: Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from, oh, is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow.